I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Whispering Woods podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Toby. And this is episode number 25. Today's episode is all about... Bellwitch. It is. So we've got a slightly different episode today because we've got our first ever listener story episode. So the lovely Craig has sent us in a story and it's all about the Bellwitch. Do you know anything about the Bell Witch? No, but if I heard about it, I might. Yeah, okay. So I've not had to do any writing for this episode, which is wonderful. Um, So Craig has done the introduction, and he's also done his own sort of encounter with the Bell Witch as well. Um, But first of all, we have actually got a shout-out to give. And I want to give a shout-out to John saying, I love your podcast. Having your son as a co-host is a very original idea and I can't get enough. Thank you. That's so sweet, isn't it? Thank you so much, John. We really appreciate you taking the time to uh, send that message to us. Right. I think we should just get straight into this, shall we? I'm also going to leave information and links to Craig's social media and author account on Amazon because he is about to publish a new book which is all about witches so it's an anthology of witches right are you ready for the bell witch yes I am intro always whisper your prayers at night for once you blow out that safe warm light Old Kate will rise from her cave in hell to exact her revenge on the bells. Have you heard about the greatest story in American history? 200 years the Bell family of Tennessee was tortured by an evil entity claiming to be the spirit of a dead woman, but also a witch, and the ghost of a native boy whose grave had been disturbed but the terrifying visitors 
most dire proclamation was that it planned to kill the family's husband and father, John Bell, which it eventually did. The record of the killing can still be found in the courthouse records in the town of Adams, Tennessee, to this very day. It is the only official record of a person being murdered by a spirit. And even now, tourists seek out Adams, Tennessee, Adams Station in the 1800s, just east of the city of Nashville, to visit the cave that still bears the witch's name, as they try to solve the mystery that has been speculated by many fans since the events that began in the summer of 1817. Forget this noisy and modern world of automobiles, the constant dinging of your cell phone and the roar of planes zooming overhead and just try to imagine the rolling green hills and miles of lush farmland that made up Middle Tennessee in the 1800s. This was the farm that the Bell family settled on after leaving North Carolina to start a new family. The Story of the Bell Family On a hot summer in 1817, John Bell and his two sons were walking his 360-acre farm when they spotted what he described as a rabbit-headed, black dog-like animal with red eyes. It was running in the middle of his cornfield. He and one of his sons shot at the bizarre creature several times, and they could have sworn that they hit it. But when they inspected the area where the dead animal should have been, they found no body and no blood. All in attendance agreed they had seen something odd. But perhaps it had been a mangy dog or a sick fox. They laughed it away and went home to have dinner. Shortly after this strange encounter is when all hell broke loose on the Bell family. Later that night, they heard heavy chains being dragged across the floor and ghostly knocking on all the doors and windows. And with each passing night, the sounds grew stronger and more menacing. Their teenage daughter, Betsy Bell, was awakened in a panic one night after hearing what sounded like rats gnawing on her bedposts. And the final straw for the exhausted family was the disembodied voice of a woman screeching hymns from out of the thin air. As you can imagine, this was terrifying. The patriarch of the family, John Bell, was a well-respected elder in the Red River Baptist Church, which was located less than a mile from his farm and log cabin home. The Bell family was well thought of in the community and they attended the church several times a week. The town of Adams Station, now called Adams, Tennessee, was a tight-knit and very religious community at the time. And a person's relationship with the church and God was what made you socially accepted in the overly religious town. Satan and his demons were an accepted reality 
and evil was thought to lurk around every corner and behind every tree. And any association with these dark forces could result in you being accused of being in league with them. So, it comes as no surprise that John wanted to keep these manifestations a secret. And he managed to, but when Betsy Bell woke up with the imprint of a hand on her face and something invisible having slapped her and several jagged claw marks across her pale chest and stomach, John Bell's wife Lucy demanded that her husband reach out to one of their best and most trusted friends, a neighbour by the name of James Johnson. James was in disbelief at first. He wasn't a man who believed in ghosts or any such nonsense. But the sorrowful look in his friend's eyes convinced him that something indeed was wrong. So his wife and himself agreed to spend a night in the Bell home. And what he experienced that night horrified him for the rest of his life. It was just after midnight that he started hearing the banging on the doors and what sounded like hailstones hitting the roof even though the weather was fine. His covers were yanked from his bed and a guttural growl from just over his head made him realise that the bells were facing something very real, very powerful and very evil. Johnston was a native of Pennsylvania who moved to Caswell County, North Carolina and fought in the Revolutionary War. Johnston and his wife Rebecca, along with their nine children, moved to the Red River Settlement in Tennessee on a farm just east of Adams, just like the Bells had done. The Johnstons became friends with the Bells and were the first to encounter the self-proclaimed witch spirit outside of the family. James was a devoutly religious man and suggested that the Bells reach out to the church, but still they remained hesitant. It was just 125 years after the Salem witch trials and it wasn't out of the question that a tight-knit, overly religious community like Adam Station would blame them for bringing this evil to their town. The entity would often call the very religious James Old Sugarmouth. The eldest son, John Bell Jr., who had fought under Andrew Jackson during the Battle of 1812, reached out to his commanding officer and the future President of the United States to visit their home. Jackson, by many reports, visited the Bells and attempted to spend the night. But he got more than he bargained for as a disembodied voice commanded for him and his men to leave Adam's station and to never return, which he promptly obliged. He was reportedly heard saying he would rather face the entire British army single-handedly than to ever confront the Bell Witch again. The manifestation went on to claim to be the spirit of a local woman by the name of Kate Batts, or Old Kate, as the disembodied voice liked to call itself. The real Kate Bats had been a quirky and reclusive resident of Adams Station, 
whose some say had been in a heated dispute over land purchased by her neighbour John Bell. While others claim that she and John had been engaged to be married, but it never happened. And when John married Lucy, Kate tried to make life miserable on the new bride, so John ended up killing her. Kate Batts died just before the haunting of the bells started. The spirit made many claims during the haunting of its true identity, including being the ghost of a dead native, the vengeful spirit of Kate Batts and a witch. Her proclamation of killing John Bell finally came true to the horror of John's wife Lucy Bell and his seven children. John came down with a strange sickness and abruptly died, just as the spirit had predicted. Oddly enough, a bottle of black liquid was found near his bed, and just after his death, the spirit told the bells it was leaving and would return someday. What happened to the Bell family from 1817 to 1820? Was it an elaborate hoax? orchestrated by the family for some reason? Was John Bell poisoned? Did a disgruntled spirit rise from the grave for vengeance? Or did an evil entity from hell visit a farm in Tennessee to torment the God-fearing Bell family? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Craig's story. Horror author Craig E. Sawyer gives his account of having visited the legendary Bell Witch Cave one summer when he was in his late teens. His debut novel, Playboy, is due out later this year by Brigitte's Gate Press, and his story, Pumpkin Pie, will appear in the witch themed anthology by Horrorsmith Publishing. In their Fear Forge Spring 2023 anthology, you can order the print and digital versions on Amazon. Craig I first heard about the Bell Witch when my fourth grade teacher told us the story. Mrs Jarvie would tell us ghost stories about local legends during our lunch break until one of the students got so scared that he threw up in his He-Man lunchbox. The school made her stop but one of her stories stuck with me to this very day. And that was the story of the tormented Bell family and the spirit that haunted them. 
I became obsessed with researching the phenomena, and I eventually made the journey to the town of Adams years later. This is the story of what happened the first time I took a trip to the Bell Farm and the supposedly haunted cave that sits on the land. It was a hot August evening in 1993, and three friends and myself decided it would be great fun to take a ride to the home of the Bell Witch. It is located in a small town named Adams. Adams is a city in Robertson County, Tennessee, near the Kentucky state line, and about an hour from where I grew up. Adams is a postage stamp of an idyllic country town with a population of just a little over 600. But as we drove through it, we couldn't shake that something was off about the energy there. I jokingly referred to it as a Scooby-Doo town due to the weird feeling that hung in the air. Was it fear? The people were super nice, but they veered away from anything we brought up about the witch or the haunted cave. As if just by mentioning the story, it would bring the old evil back to life. The Bell Witch Cave is made up of limestone and gypsum, near where the farm once stood, and is a location where people see supernatural events to this day, and we were not disappointed. Our first stop, after taking a long gravel road that led to the cave, was a large field where the tombstones of many of the Bell family members resided, including John Bell. We parked the car and walked out to the many scattered stones that were surprisingly new-looking, which I later found out had been replaced due to people stealing them and being defaced with satanic symbols. As we scanned the many gravestones, I started telling the history of what had happened to the Bells to my already frightened date and our two companions. This was over 20 years ago, and even though you can tour the cave now, the gravestones are on private property and it is no longer accessible to uninvited guests. The legend was not as popular back then, and I do not recommend trespassing today because you might get shot. People in the Tennessee countryside do not play when it comes to trespassers on private property. You have been warned. Like I told you, the story had been on my mind since the fourth grade, but seeing the graves of the Bell family in person made it really hit home that these were once flesh and blood people. And as we headed back to the car, I popped the trunk to show my friends that had bought sleeping bags and a lantern. I then laid down the dare to all of them. Let's spend the night in the cave and see what happens. After much moaning and groaning, all in attendance agreed. We would stay the night in the Bell Witch Cave and not leave until the sun came up. We drove the car down the end of the gravel road and parked in a patch of dead grass. I had seen phages of the cave, but this was my first time seeing it in person. And after we descended a small grouping of rocks, we came to the gash in the earth that was the mouth of the infamous cave. I had read an article about how a journalist had attempted to stay in the cave overnight a few years back 
for a Halloween article he had planned to write. And after having been run out of the case by what he called a demonic presence, he did not recommend anyone spending the night in what he referred to as that damned cave. And in fact, he said he would never go to the cave alone or at night ever again. This would have been enough for most people not to come here, but I was 19 and I took it as a challenge. Undaunted and full of youthful courage, we fired up the lantern and entered the cave that supposedly held the spirit of the dreaded Bell Witch, the entity that killed John Bell in 1820. To be honest, the inside of the cave was pretty unspectacular. The entrance had a metal gate that was left open and had started to rust due to the moisture. But it didn't take long before we started laughing and pretended to ride on a broom. The fear we had turned into bursts of laughter. It was just a dumb hole in the ground. We started to explore more of the prehistoric cave and its first two rooms were fairly large, maybe 15 feet tall. The entire cave probably cut 50 yards into the cliff, which today is lit with electric lights during guided tours at Halloween. But back then, it was dark as pitch, except for our lantern, which cast light about 20 feet. We unfurled the sleeping bags and plopped down on a flat section of rock near several holes, which I had read somewhere were once Native American graves. There were several large ones, and there was one the size of a small child. We sat in silence for a minute as I moved the lantern around the area and took in all the nooks and crags of the cave. Throughout the entire space were dozens and dozens of glistening strings of spider webs. I personally hate spiders, and my friend had a death grip on my arm. I'm guessing that she didn't like spiders or haunted caves. One of my friends, Chris, picked up a strangely shaped rock from inside one of the holes and put it in his pocket as a souvenir. I told him this was a big no-no, that I had read that people had taken things out of the cave before and that bad things happened to them. He just chuckled and said that was just a story to scare people from taking stuff. I started telling the story of the time that Andrew Jackson had visited the Bells and insulted the witch by saying he had brought a silver bullet he called the Witch Tamer. But he soon discovered that whatever this thing was, it could not be tamed. And just after saying that, his horses that were pulling his cart refused to move and one of his men was attacked by something invisible. Everyone got quiet again and we all had the uncanny feeling that we were being watched and that's when we heard something from the far back room of the cave. It was very low at first, nearly unperceptive, but it got louder and louder It sounded like something smacking its lips, almost like a hungry dog would do. My friend started freaking out and begging to leave. I stood up and started gathering our stuff, and we hauled it out of that dark hole as fast as our legs would take us. We had only been in the cave for less than an hour. We threw the stuff in the car quickly and got inside, 
and as we drove down the gravel road, we were still very frightened. But then someone cracked a joke, and for a brief moment, we were back laughing at ourselves, until our comfort was shattered by what sounded like a gunshot from underneath the car. I pulled over to the side of the road and got out to inspect. My driver's side front tyre was flat. I couldn't believe it because I had just bought four new tyres a week ago. I told the others and one of the girls burst into tears and the rest was begging for us to leave. My other friend, the one who took the strange-looking rock from the cave, pulled the stone out of his pocket and tossed it into the weeds. I changed the tyre as fast as I could and as we started to leave, I glanced back into the rearview mirror and I could see, standing there, among the graves was a tall and shadowy figure. Was it the current owner of the property or was it the spirit Volkate, better known as the Bell Witch? So this was after all that Salem witch stuff? Yeah, when the Bell Witch was around, not obviously when Craig had his encounter, because that was um, 20 years ago or so. Yes, it was indeed. Mm, yeah, right, at the same witchy place. I'm saying that because um, Craig also sent us some pictures through that I'll show you now, but I'll also put them on social media so that everybody else can have a look as well. And thanks for sending those through, Craig. They're they're brilliant. Really gives you a feel for it, the cave and stuff. Yeah, go on. I'd do it a ghost in there. Would you? What, in the cave? I don't think <laughs> well, you'd Well, I'd have to find out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'd last all night. I wouldn't. I probably would have had a go like at 19, for sure, mm. you know, and probably would have been the ringleader ranging everybody up to go and do it as well. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure how long I would have lasted, though. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Please like and leave a review. Let us know what you would like to hear. Right, okay. Take care, everyone, and we'll catch up with you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.